Welcome to Talking In Stations. I am Madderall. I'm here with Rundle. How are you doing, Rundle? I'm doing great. Uh, as usual, I'm uh, here to try to buffer you from looking bad. I will look silly and stupid for both of us. How's that? Yeah. Well, thank you for taking that bullet, but uh, I think I'm doomed. <laughs> let's let's see what <laughs> we can do today with the, uh, the news that we got from the TIS crew. It's been shoveling news all over the place. I think the headlines today are going to be CSM 16 has been announced. Uh, the um, election process is open for people who want to participate in that sort of thing. We also have some news uh, about industry hot patches that are coming through. Of course, we had a big patch yesterday. It has to do with industry. It's the first of two patches that we know of, at least, that are going to change things quite a bit. And so a lot of things came in a little bit buggy. And so we'll see what the hot patches have done to fix that sort of thing. Uh, we also uh, have, if we can get to it, an interview with uh, Revend Revendell, uh, who is an industrial uh, third-party application builder, and he built a really beautiful application. He's been showing it to us for a, a little while now, and unfortunately, he's having internet issues where he's at. So if we get past that, we'll bring him on today. If not, we'll reschedule him for sometime this week. And of course, we'll have some more updates and see what's going on around the galaxy in your neck of the woods. Okay, uh, Rundle, let's see what we got here. There's a couple of things that we need to start with that are actually from yesterday. So yep. inside of, I'll take this first one, inside of TIS Discord, Xanath wrote me and said, you missed an important detail in the patch. It wasn't in the patch notes that I know of, but the drop-down menu in space each structure in the list has an icon which denotes what type of structure it is. And that is a big help to uh, players when they are told to park at a Fortizar, for instance. When they look at structures, they not only uh, see the name, but they can actually see an icon that says, this is a Fortizar, this is a Keepstar, this is an Astro House. And that narrows it down a bit. So good for, good for you guys. Yeah, that's a, that's on the drop-down menu when you right-click in space, right? So if you have it already listed in your overview, those already have the little icons. So uh, I haven't honestly looked at this yet, but, you know, the drop-down menu, sometimes it's the quick right-click. You know, as we talked about last night, sometimes your left hand's busy and your right hand has the mouse. And, uh, Still you know, busy. All, yeah, all you can do is <laughs> click in space and find the menu and find the structure. So maybe that's, uh, you know, all those little things are always add up over time and, It'll save a pilot somewhere and, and it'll be all worth it. Yeah. All right. Uh, another thing that we didn't cover yesterday, but uh, Astrothy, as soon as the program was over, was like, oh my God, it's one of the biggest uh, pieces of news of the day. And that is that belts have been removed from space. And um, I think it was, I forget how many belts were removed, but here is the criteria. Um, if the belt stopped producing ore and was just a location, like a location beacon in space without an actual belt with it, uh, due to a previous change, then those belts were taken out. And I believe there was mm, um, a relatively small number, I want to say 1,500 belts, but I don't know if that is, you know, 1,500 belts all over the galaxy, that probably wouldn't be that many, but... Um, so if it's, it's not if, if, um, see there's a beacon, right? So if there's an asteroid belt, there's usually a beacon that you can warp to, and that puts you in proximity to the rocks. And then you can, you know, put, put, put slow boat over to the rocks and start mining. And that's how you 
participate in mining, uh, well, what's called belt mining. The problem is when this change came out, it was worded in such a way that people thought, oh, that means if you mine out all the rocks, does that beacon disappear? And that could pose a big problem. And I think uh, CSM representatives or CCP came out and said, no, 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 no. That's not what happens. What this change means that happened yesterday was there are certain belts that have lost all their asteroids permanently. So there's no point in having a beacon there. So they remove those beacons. Now, here's the thing. And this is what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, removing belts that had no ore makes it so you can no longer trigger officers by killing the rats you can find in empty belts. Since Curse has zero belts now, and you have to trigger angel officers in Curse, you effectively can no longer farm Tobias officer modules until CCP makes another change. That yeah, was fun. Uh, probably an oversight, but they'll get Yeah, fixed. whoops. Yeah. That seems, uh, I, I would say that was an oversight as well. Uh, so I guess those officer modules, uh, if you're hanging on to them, if you have any, uh, you know, maybe watch for a little price spike or something. Or, uh, you yeah, know, maybe. yeah, sell them now, or I don't know, I don't know what to do with them. Yes. But it's going to be a little tough to find them. So they shouldn't be not coming on the market anymore. So at some point, uh, you know, the cost will go up or they'll be all destroyed from the game. Uh, those are your two options at this point. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Shikokin reminds us that it is 14,000 belts were removed. Uh, I, I heard 15,000. I remember it was 1,500, but it was actually 15,000 that uh, Dr. Spod, uh, when this first happened, he was right on top of it looking around. He said there was like 15,000 belts uh, had been. So it's 14,000 belts all spread out across the uh, uh, the map, which... Uh, Probably isn't that many considering how many systems there are. I don't know, what is it, like seven to 9,000 systems? And many of those systems have multiple belts. Some have 16 belts. They just have a ton of them. So uh, oh, I, forget, yeah. I forget what the total number of belts are. I think it's like, you know, uh, anywhere from 50 to 100,000 belts. So 14,000 is just a percentage of them. Still, for those people in Curse looking for Tobias, you can't find him there anymore. He's taking a vacation. Maybe he's going to go check out the new sites, uh, all the new uh, all the new landmarks. Tobias is on a on a roam to check out all the new uh, landmarks <laughs> for now. <laughs> yeah, he's on he's on a bus uh, taking a tour. Yeah. <laughs> okay, hot patches for industry. We wanted to talk about this stuff too. Do you want to go over this stuff, Rundle? Yeah, yeah, sure. I can go that. Uh, so you know, the as we talked about yesterday, uh, the blueprints that were not seated yesterday were uh, put back or were properly seated on the market, so they're there now. You can go and buy them, uh, it, it, and it's in the in the game notes for a patch from yesterday where you can find them. Um, so they fixed that. Uh, they fixed an uh, issue with the reactions incorrectly showing the research information. Uh, reactions are not researchable, so they, they fixed that. We reported on that yesterday, so they've already have to, uh, fixed that. Um, and there was a technical issue where fighters were not being recalled uh, correctly when the command was issued off-grid. This is important for um, if you're using your... Uh, capital or super cap ship and you have dropped um, fighters somewhere and then you've had to warp off for some reason, you uh, can still recall your drones, your fighters back to you. Uh, apparently this was not working. So um, rip a, uh, a hanger full of, of uh, fighters for at least one day. They fix that. 
And uh, apparently, if you were using the old map, there was this uh, travel route was not displayed correctly that occurred when setting a destination that included a jump bridge. So this was obviously a, an oversight with this addition of the jump bridge capability. They didn't test the uh, the old map feature. Um, so uh, those are the main fixes that came through on the patches to the patch notes today. Um, wanted to report now that the blueprints are properly seated. Just want to talk about this one. There's a conversation going on on uh, on the TIS Discord and in a few other places about this one BP, um, at least uh, that's being highlighted. It's the Enhanced Neural Link Protection Cell Blueprint. Um, it appears that to fully research it to a uh, 10/20, so that's ME and TE material efficiency and time efficiency, it would cost you somewhere around somewhere around one trillion ISK to do the full research into a full BP in high sec, that's if you're doing in high sec, it drops to about half of that if you're up in null sec in a, in a fully rigged up um, citadel. Um, you know, it's it's three billion, it's a, one of these blueprints that is three billion to purchase. So it's expected to be high on the research uh, side of things, but uh, there's a feeling that it shouldn't be quite this high. Um, so uh, no word if this intended, I'm sure some people are gonna look into that as well, so. Yeah, let's see if I have a picture of that last one that you just said, and I do, so I'll bring it up the big here. Yeah, I, I think this is maybe the same thing, but this is something that uh, we want to talk about. Yes, it's very similar. Yes, it is. Yeah, is this the same thing, right? Similarly, yep. job cost. Uh, oh, this is, I love this, though. Let me just point this out here. Similarly, the job costs of the full chain, the full chain, that means from beginning to end, to build a dreadnought with the new materials ends up being over $4 billion. Just in job costs. Just in job costs. That's not materials, which is probably another four billion. Yeah. And it used to be <laughs> about 164 million. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. The uh, so for supers, right? It'll cost uh, about a hundred billion just for for doing a, a super. Um, I think is what he said. Oh no, sorry. That that's a so that's a incorrect. I think uh, Kenneth uh, gave us the one one trillion number in high sec if you were doing it. So uh, there seems to be it, it's probably one of the knobs that they can turn and they can play with now to try to play with the cost model of building the capitals and super capitals, which is what they want to do. Um, now, whether or not they tune those knobs will be uh, will be remain to be seen. But uh, the one trillion. Isk to uh, to fully research that one BP is is crazy. Yeah, I, I, he seemed to say that was in line with other um, other things. So, well, the three billion purchase price for the blueprint is in line with the other ones. Yes, absolutely. But um, when you oh, when you look price. at the research costs, though, that's what's out of line. So there's this there's a there's a, a fairly complex formula. Of course, the players don't exactly know the formula, but there is a, a complex formula they believe that is used to calculate the research costs and there might be an extra zero floating in around there somewhere causing a, a problem. So hmm. we'll see, we'll see. It could be by design too, right? So I'm not saying with, uh, you know, as an, even an opinion, I don't know, but a trillion seems excessive to do a fully researched BP that costs 3 billion. So, right. So we'll probably see some adjustments going on. Uh, again, yeah. I uh, think that a lot of the stuff that's being set up now will look distorted from where we're at right now. So you have to just keep in mind that there is 
there is the overall goal of keeping the game in balance. If something seems like it's atrociously out of balance, rest assured they're going to put it in balance. So it's a matter of uh, creating those dials that they can twist, a little bit of minerals, a little bit of gas products, a little bit of PI. With those dials, they can kind of, in different directions, dial in a, for a certain price point for a certain ship. That may not happen uh -huh. all at once, but that's the overall goal. And that means that if if people are mining to build titans like they were in the yesteryears, like the last three years, and they had the ability to mine uh, with orcas, let's say, or with um, rorkels, a ton of minerals to be able to build these giant ships, that kind of pressure on a market would completely wipe out the uh, the cost of minerals, which means that ships were incredibly cheap. They were dirt cheap, and that's why you get into the whole suicide dreads suicide uh battleships you know you know constant feeding and that sort of cycle so this this complicates things because it gives them different approaches to dial in a ship at a certain price point again may not look correct at first but they will get that right okay let's go on to extended downtime tomorrow the 15th for database maintenance yep Cross your fingers. Yep, yep. I see that uh, your uh, launcher should now have a big red banner bar. Uh, so when you launch the game, you should be reminded of this. So uh, cross your fingers. Hopefully, I don't blow up the database. But uh, yeah. yeah. All right. War updates. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say I don't. I, yeah. Normally extended. They don't actually tell you how long it's extended for, but uh, so just keep an eye out for when the the servers come back up. Yeah, Howie, thanks for the raid there, our WE Gaming. Okay, so uh, in a series of battles around QI TAC S9W, that's Immensia, several groups have engaged in an 87 billion esque price tag for the battle. Hmm. Somebody, yep. okay, Legion of X Death, Razor Alliance, Unreal Alliance, and Valkyrie Alliance are members of the Fire Coalition, which is fighting. Goon Swarm. Dreadbomb is a member of Wrecking Crew, who also brought Combat Wombat. Is that, is that who I think it is? Is that a... I don't know. Who do you think it is? Combat Wombat. Uh, didn't we just interview that CEO who's a new player? I'm thinking of somebody else. The Wombat throws me off. Okay, they are fighting Fire Coalition. It's probably not them then, because uh, I think this group is somewhere else. Uh, a third group, led by Synergy of Steel and Black Rose, also joined the battle. The fire forces formed the 247 ships, including Revelation, Dreadnoughts, and Mercurial Drake combo. Uh, Dreadbomb Wrecking Crew formed with 85 ships consisting of Phoenix Dreadnoughts, those were missile boats, or giant missile Dreadnoughts, and a Nightmare Fleet. Synergy of Steel and Friends were also fighting Dreadbomb. They formed 68 ships consisting of a Drake fleet. Fire and Synergy of Steel lost 114 ships valued at 27 billion esk. Dreadbomb lost 85 ships valued at 60 billion. So probably Dreadbomb lost uh, uh, more Dreadnoughts, where Fire and Synergy of Steel lost uh, a number of their uh, Drakes and Macarials and the smaller ships. Because uh, otherwise your isk wouldn't have been wouldn't have been two to one like that with a 
even though the ship number was higher. So, right. Yeah, this this is an interesting fight, just from a you know who is who is fighting, right? Uh, XX Death, Razor, Unreal, Valkyrie—they're all part of the Fire Coalition, aligned with uh, Pappy. But this um, this was in a uh, you know against the Wrecking Crew, right? Which is kind of doing their own thing, um, and with Goonsworn, of course. Um, so the uh, this this fight against Wrecking Crew is kind of like an off to the side fight. So. Um, kind of an interesting uh, yeah, opportunity, well, Dreadbomb, I guess. Dreadbomb actually went over and attacked. I think Volta and Dreadbomb were both attacking a fire coalition at one point, mm-hmm. um, looking for those, uh, mm, I don't want to say easy kills, but in their mind, maybe easy kills, but they kind of got back, they, they kind of got pushed back by fire coalition, which uh, it consists again of... Um, Russian plus some other groups like Razor and stuff. The thing that is striking about this is Dread Bomb. Uh, they just took a pretty heavy loss when they attacked Amamaki like a, a week ago and stuff. I want to see how they recover. So I think they're trying to get something going, some momentum going. And I think Fire Coalition is supposed to be, again, like beefy, heavy targets that are um, uh-huh. easier. And I'm not sure that's working out for them, but we'll... We'll find out. Yeah, I, I guess where I, I didn't completely finish my thought is mm-hmm. Wrecking Crew, Sorry. Dread Bombs. No, it's all right because I lost it. So it wasn't like I, uh, like you stole it on me. Like, it wasn't like you did any, uh, you didn't shank me or anything. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't shank you for your talk space? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it didn't shank me for my talk space this time. Uh, no, I, I kind of lost where I was going with it. Is, you know, but Wrecking Crew, Dread Bomb are, you know, fighting in low sec, fighting in high sec, in a, or sorry, fighting in, a, in, in null sec in a few places. They're they're off in low sec uh, in that uh, Keepstar fight. Uh, you know they're all over the place. It's uh, you know interesting. I know they traditionally are um, you know really a low sec alliance, um, and uh, but they're part of Wrecking Crew uh, now, basically holding all of Pravi, uh, and they're they're certainly are an organization that likes to just take fights. Um, there's lots of uh, Lots of verbal sparring on other talk shows with uh, with um, well, you Dread Bomb. And, you saw that up close, didn't you? Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, exactly, because they came into our area, right, uh, in in Fethobolus. And so you know, but they're they will just they're opportunistic, right? And so it, it leads to concerns of, well, what side are you on? Who who are you with? And they just are out looking. They're on their own side. That's very clear. And uh, they're very opportunistic uh, in taking fights. They'll see an opportunity and they'll take it. So I, I don't know how this battle, you know, ended up, uh, you know, spinning up. Sometimes these things are, um, you know, based. I don't see any information. Was it based on a? Were they fighting over a a, a structure? Were they just? Uh, did they catch someone? Was there kind of a predefined? All right, I'll meet you here um, at this point in this uh, system. I would like to know more if anyone knows more about how this uh how this got uh started um i I find these kind of fights interesting all right well we'll uh we'll check on that situation one more thing about uh this area is i i think the dread bomb at least villy on on a show that you were on uh trash talk tuesday about two or three weeks ago was was pretty pretty heated about dread bombs Mm, actions during this war because Dreadbomb started out kind of with Wrecking Crew kind of backing up 
uh, Pappy. Right. They were kind of neutral, but then they kind of threw in with Pappy for a while at the beginning there. And then they kind of like said, all right, well, we're going to back off and do our own thing for a while in Providence. We're still trying to stabilize the place. That's as wrecking crew. But then Dreadbomb kind of said, no, nah, we're going to go over to Scalding Pass and continue to punish some former Providence uh, groups that were over there, kind of broke yep. them up. And then uh, I think they looked around and said, what's in the neighborhood and saw Fire Coalition, started attacking Fire Coalition. According to yep. them, they just did that because they need to keep doing stuff, right? They need to keep active, they need to keep doing stuff, and they don't want yep. to be a part of the work. It's kind of boring. Uh, but what that did is it peeled XX Death and Razor and those groups off of Pappy. They had to go back and kind of defend these areas. And you can say there wasn't much activity in their time zone anyway, since a lot of them are Russian. So it wasn't that big a loss, but I think it still angered uh, Vili. And I think there were other people that were probably looking at that saying, what's Dreadbomb doing? Are yeah, they, there was a, murdered? yeah, yeah, there was a Fortizar fight, uh, Pappy against the initiative and uh, Dreadbomb basically came to help them. Uh, they, they, you know, like they said, they, they got bat phoned, but the way I've heard the story is it wasn't really, that they got bat phone. It's just that they uh, they took they saw an opportunity and they took it. But the end result is still the same. They helped save a Fortazar and uh, attack Pappy. And I was being a little more polite about it, but uh, okay, right to the heart of the point. That's really what interests me is, you know, if they really are a third party, then we need, um, you know, both sides needs to treat them accordingly, and um, and then they need to live with those choices. Uh, meaning wrecking crew, dread bomb. Um, and if you're going to be in the middle, then be in the middle. Is kind of my personal opinion of it. All right. That's some commentary there. Yeah, right. personal opinions. Personal opinions. All right, let's go to the big story today. CSM 16 has been announced. If you have any desire to be an advisor to the company that makes this game, this is your chance. CSM is Council of Stellar Management. It is elected it is a group elected by players. There are 10 members. I think there are two alternates. And you belong to a select group of 10 that gets to meet with uh, the company through, uh, I guess, through this kind of thing, chat or whatever they use, Skype, whatever. Uh, and they get to uh, talk about things. And there's really three components to CSM. The first one, ooh, let's see if I remember this because they're actually very close. One is to... Uh, the CCP will vet certain features to the CSM first before they go out there. And we've talked about this in the past. It's incredibly controversial. Sometimes CSM gets too much blame. Sometimes it gets not enough blame. But in reality, uh, the players that are elected to CSM are handed um, like us. Uh, they're handed a, a rocking horse, let's say. And CCP hands it to him and says, here's a rocking horse. It's going into the game. You have nothing to say about it, but please sand it so nobody gets splinters. And that's about as much influence as they have on some features. And so they get to smooth out some of the rough edges and make sure that it's more digestible for players. And they use their own intuition and their own uh, information to be able to say, this is probably a good change that'll help. Okay, that's one. Two is they... Um, get shown features that are, I, I think they also comment on features that are al already in the game, like Faction War is having a problem. Uh, wormholes are having a problem. And they get to present their information to CCP and say, can you 
can you look at this and uh, fix some things here and there? And if CCP looks at that and says that lines up with our priorities, then CCP might actually put some effort into it. Otherwise, if you're bringing something to CCP that's not a priority of theirs, it's probably unlikely that they're going to stop what they're doing to do what you want them to do as a CSM member. The third thing, so that's two. Uh, the third thing is they also communicate with the players to help basically sell the features uh, to say they're not co-opted. They're not salesmen, but they get to basically say, hey, players, let me help explain what this feature is, what it does. Let me help you transition through it. Uh, and they also take that feedback of people saying this feature is not what we wanted or this feature is fantastic. And they get to take that information back to CCP. So they're conduits of behavior. And so that's what CSM's three major functions are. And it has changed over the years. The whole CC, the whole CSM thing has a really deep history, which we can talk about. Maybe we'll save a show for that. Maybe we'll do that on Sunday. I'll go through the history of CSM, how it was created, when it was created. And it's not what you think. It's not T20 and all that. That's actually when it got implemented, but that's not when it was created. It was created years before that, where they actually talked about the discourse between the makers of a galaxy and the inhabitants of the galaxy, there's only one guiding document between them, and that's the EULA. Other than that, it's all free will. But at some point, CCP knew they would have to have a voice. So consider it, they would, the, the populations of Greece would need to have oracles and priests that could communicate with the gods for favor and for giving them an idea of what the conditions were that they were living under. And so they always thought that was going to happen. And that concept evolved with a scandal that happened uh, that basically was um, a loss of credibility for CCP and how seriously they were taking the game with the T20 incident. And so they decided to roll those two things together, which they often do if you watch. And they roll out this CSM saying, we've concepted this, we wanted to put it in, now is a good time to put it in. Um, you know, we hear you players, don't be upset, we're giving you some political uh, entryway into the making of the product, and here it is, uh, the CSM. So it was a way of kind of PRing that thing down a little bit, that mistake down, and, uh, and also implementing this really cool feature of having some kind of space council, which is cool. Okay, but yep. it started again, and now it's time for you to get your, uh, if you're going to do it, it's time for you to get your paperwork in order and get cracking at campaigning. Yep. And if uh, you guys want to nominate someone, you know, approach them, do that. Uh, I hear Nick Bison's looking to do it. Maybe poke him a few times. Maybe do that. I don't know. Is he really? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Are you just, <laughs> you just making his life miserable? <laughs> just yeah, basically. Um, so uh, also, if you go into the the podcast channel here, uh, one other item that uh, was just uh, provided to us before we close out the show is if you uh, like fiction, like me, like I just created Nick Bison for CSM 16, that's a total fiction. But if you, uh, instead of talking about it, if you like to write, if you're into fiction writing, the competition is still going on. It ends uh, the 15th of May, so about a month away. Um, there is uh, the Yvonne, the new Eden Capsular Writing Contest uh, still happening. Um, and, of course, 
uh, TIS is uh, also looking for writers. So if you uh, fancy writing and maybe you don't want to enter the competition and the writing contest, then come on to TIS. Uh, we're always looking for writers. There's the in-game uh, newsletter. There's the website. Uh, you know, just even content for these shows. If you don't want any, if you don't want to write like very formally, you just want to write informally and want to go gather news or articles or little interesting tidbits throughout the day. Um, Matterall and uh, myself and anyone else on these shows love the help. Um, there's all sorts of opportunities to flex your writing muscle as well as your research um, for anything that you like in the game. So there's that. Yeah, hold on a second. Let's see if we can get uh, Caleb in here. Somebody likes talking about CSM and writing. All right. Yeah, I kind of I kind of blew right through the CSM thing and went to the writing contest, but yeah. it's all CCP items, so I'll get you the link for the writing contest here. Yeah, let's throw that in there for uh, people. Uh, I'm not going to go over all this stuff, the application requirements and uh, all that kind of thing. You can look it up. We'll put it in the show notes and also the uh, the video notes. Uh, what's interesting, though, is they, they have made it so that you are required to fill in stuff. So even if you're going to walk in to this because you already have a constituency that can put you over the top, like some big NullSec alliances have, you still have to fill out the paperwork. This is for the CSM that we're talking about. Back, back the to the CSM. CSM. Sorry, Sorry about yeah. the paperwork for the, yeah. They tend to change small things in the rules every now and then. I need to actually read up on the details. Uh I, I I remember that uh, when they changed it from uh, being anonymous to not anonymous for the player base and all that shenanigans. So there's always a little bit of weird drama and things shifting around. So read read everything closely and make sure that you are uh, that you understand that you have to sign an NDA and usually an NDA lasts up between five and seven years. So that's how long you actually have to keep your mouth shut about anything that you are given in uh, secrecy uh, by CCP. Yeah, I believe also, and I don't know if this is still the case because the rules change, but you can't really be in touch with any other game developers. Yeah, I think they do have some sort of exclusivity clause in the NDA. Um, but again, that's of course also because one of the reasons for the NDA is of course that you might be uh, privy to information that, uh, you could actually uh, leak to other game developers, which would be bad. All right. We'll handle some questions. We'll talk about CSM here with uh, Caleb, who just jumped in, and we'll talk about writing after that if if we want to. Uh, but I will take this question here from Evil Shizzle, who says, is it possible to build battleships in high sec after the patch? Of course it is. Just uh, <laughs> like it was. Uh, just like it was in before. In the past, but uh, t t t uh, I would like to ask him, uh, well, most things in a battleship uh, still require some sourcing that isn't necessarily high sec available, right? Yeah, I think he's yeah. a he's asking that because there are some items that come from other parts of the galaxy, let's say, uh, that go into a battleship, and those items are not necessarily available to be harvested in high sec. Well, where did he get his sidereen and megaside? Did he gun mine for that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I took his I took his question to mean the patch from yesterday and today. So after those patches, yes, you can still build your battleships in high sec because the recipes haven't the existing recipes haven't changed yet. You so can, that's coming. 
but <laughs> they just preceded all the parts beforehand, though, right? Well, you can. Again, everything is yeah. going to be uh, possible to build in Highsec just like before. It's just yeah. that now you need to import some more things that you need to uh, uh, source from Correct. some sort of uh, either low sec or null sec or wormhole space or whatever. You can still go and do those, but you usually you would, if you are a specialized industrialist you would still source that from uh other entities and just uh plug it directly into your building right just like you may still like even even though right now you may still need to source pyrite or megasite you might not be actively mining that you may still have to go buy those things even if you're building battleships today um but it's just the standard minerals today the changes to the uh recipes are not happening yet but just like just like everyone here said you know, you still do it in high sec. You still you just have to get some more materials. That's all. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, end of the month. I roughly. don't want to beat this one to death, but the reason I brought it up and wanted to deal with it is because this information erroneously is getting out there and it's confusing people. Uh, people are basically running around with their heads cut off saying stuff that just is not true. And we want to make sure that we bat a lot of that stuff down so that the hysteria kind of calms down. And as people unwrap these major changes these are the biggest changes we've seen in 10 years maybe the the, the short end is the vertical integration uh thing has grown very high right and it kind of now requires a little bit from all manners of space so if you want to source everything yourself in a vertical uh, integration model you need to do a lot of things and be pretty much present everywhere right but most of uh, the lower end stuff is exactly as it was before. Um, the the only thing is the new uh, reaction things with the gas. And then, of course, well, a controversial one that we haven't talked about that much, which is um, that I think it's uh, supers and titans do have a limitation where it's tied to an actual uh, hard loot drop in drop, the game, yeah, which is really bad. And we will have to discuss this uh, ad nauseum because... It's a problem, and it's a bad solution, in my opinion. Yeah, it's easy enough to get confused. I know, personally, I was confused about the faction frigates and faction uh, cruisers. I actually, uh, for some reason, had it in my head that only the battleship and up recipes were changing. But I was corrected by uh, some alliance mates. Thank you very much. And then I quickly had the WTF moment and came back here and talked to Matt and a couple others and was, like, severely embarrassed. So uh that somehow i missed that but you know so many changes um yeah, it's, a, it's a lot it's also the skill limitations on things like faction yep. stuff and there's also some new components in faction builds as far as i remember um uh, and then there's the flattening of uh, a lot of the subcaps have been grouped uh, together in groups where they're pretty much the same build uh i think we've termed this the homogenization and the flattening of uh of the build requirements and personally i think that's a mistake because for mineral think, inputs you mean yeah I, I think it's a mistake to suddenly flatten them and make them almost the same across the board because the racial variations was actually something that had a very meaningful uh reasoning behind it originally so this is like baby with the bath water it's it's a it's a bad uh solution there's many good things in these industry changes in my opinion but there's a few really bad ones that I don't really understand and I think is a massive mistake. Of course, they can always change things and tweak them down the line. I just think the philosophy on this part with the homogenization is a mistake. And 
And to people that, that are going, oh, everything is getting so expensive. Well, I don't think there's anything sub, uh, uh, well, even including some of the big horse uh, freighters and, and, and rockers and whatnot, it's only things above that which might actually increase more than 200%. And, and if something isn't changing more than 200%, and if you look at the faucets, you're not really going to notice that much. It's just a matter of people that burn through a lot of resources uh, and, and especially ship hulls. So basically mostly NOLSEC entities and, well, maybe gankers and, and, and some, some high-end low-sec uh, entities that uh, fight a lot. To your average player, this is not really that much of a change. By the way, you can, if you want more information, if you have any questions at all, and no questions are bad questions, uh, come to Talking In Station Discord. We have an industry channel. We have experts in there that are answering all kinds of questions. We can give you clear information at length, not just on this show, but you can get uh, you know follow-up questions until you actually figure it out. It's not going to be easy to figure out, though, and I want to prepare everybody for that. These changes took... Um, uh, someone like Kenneth, like a month to really get his head around. And, and he's a, you know, genius level, uh, construction guy in EVE online. That's Are you why, trolling me now? That's why everybody is, don't jump into that. Don't jump in. Don't take that bait. Uh, that's why everybody is freaking out is because they're, they're, they're taking snapshots of something that is way bigger. They're taking snapshots of trees when we're supposed to be looking at a forest, it's going to take you a while to climb up to a hill where you can see the whole forest. Until then, you're just taking pictures of trees and panicking about the forest disappearing. Now you can jump in. Go ahead. No, I, I, I'd rather go down the pipe that this is only phase one. And there is at least, as far as I can tell, three or four phases to these changes. Uh, we already know that phase two will be about take two holes, right? Uh, and then we still have things like uh, uh, modules. And then after that, we also should be getting a pass on structures. Because when you're changing industry like this, you're going to have to go through the entire phase, uh, right? Uh, phase, right? Yeah. You need all the steps, right? So this what? is this is the prediction. This is where they're going to go. And as I have said, I'd be surprised if structures do not end up at least extra large, being almost five times the current cost, if not more. Because they're way too cheap and it's ridiculous right now. You have a situation where, on paper, a Titan will be more expensive than a Keepstar. That makes no sense. What if... Um, I make, it makes sense to me, actually, and, but for gameplay reasons, not theoretic, not for theoretic reasons. But what, what if T2 gets simpler? Because T2 is kind of complicated. This, this whole new thing that you have to do for T1 shifts is really a modified T2. Like there's, that's what you've always had to do with T2 is, is uh, you had to do multiple steps in order to get to a final product. Whereas at T1, you only had to do one step to get to a final product usually. I don't think that CCP is going to want to change. Uh, it's Tiberius. Tech, I don't think that they're going to want to change Tech 2 production at all uh, because the complexity adds to the the costs which allows for middlemen to exist uh, for me looking on the outside in this you know the t the tech one changes looks to me that they're trying to allow for more middlemen to exist in smaller groups who specialize in producing one thing inside of a supply chain uh, tech two 
already kind of allows for that to a certain degree. I could definitely see them maybe tweaking things a little bit with uh, with the changes. But personally, I don't th- I don't see tech at least tech two ships, uh, you know, having a significant change anytime, uh, you know, during. Yeah, the- I, I agree with Tiberius. I don't think they're going to touch tech two principles that much. I think they might be tweaking a few things. They might be. Uh, adding a few quality of life tweaks to stuff like uh, the invention phase. Um, I think they could reintroduce things like uh, consumption uh, of meta modules to uh, increase uh, the, the, the results. I think they could also allow some meta drops and uh, uh, items that are uh, by nature below um, tech two to be actually used to build tech two. I think that's also a viable uh, change that might come in because I don't see why you can use a T1 to create a T2, but you can't use a meta two or meta three to create a what's effectively a what meta five. It's just, there's a few silly things like that, that they might actually tweak and change, but I, I'm, I would be surprised if they do any serious changes. I'm, I'm almost expecting them to just leave it almost where it is. Well, like I said, every time you think of changes, you might think like, oh, they're nerfing something. They actually might buff it. Who knows? Um, we're all speculating on what happens with T2. I agree with you guys. It's complicated enough. It's complex. These T1 changes now kind of put it in a, a little bit closer to T2, about halfway between where it was and where T2 is. So people get an idea a little bit. And that's a but nice remember, you, for builders. You, let, me, let me just finish this. It's for, for builders that are coming into the game, the, the early stuff, the small ships and the small modules, whatever, that stuff's really kind of easy to build still, really easy. But as you get bigger and bigger ships, including the battleship and beyond, it starts to get more and more complicated. And that's a nice gradual increase of player knowledge that you can start to acquire. Yeah, and, and remember, the, the, all the changes they have been doing to T1 always impacts t2 as well right yeah. <laughs> if you want to build the tech 2 variant of a battleship hull you're still going to need a battleship tech 1 hull right to build that so th- these things are all tied together they might tweak some of the uh requirements on, on some of the t2 stuff they might boost them to make them require a bit more but again it, it's it's not really that necessary so I, I would be surprised if they do that much, especially because if you think about it, this is okay. Uh, Nick said that uh, if someone's mentioning slots three times, uh, I, I magically appear. But if they do anything People with just... slots, this is going to impact in, uh, things like invention uh, a lot, right? Um, and, and because there's so many things going into Tech 2, that means that slot limitations will have a massive uh, impact from Tech 2. Uh, this is going to be the main thing that that drives that bottleneck. So, so they don't need to change anything in Tech Two. Only the slots. Uh, that's actually mm. almost enough to have a massive impact. You know, Beetlejuice has about the same. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, increments as bottleneck, 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 bottleneck. Oh, it's Caleb. Yeah, well, he's here to talk uh, about slots. I'm 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 pretty certain that they're going to do something with that because it having an infinity in there in that way is a massive reason why we got industry kind of destroyed um, and f- putting it back in 
not the hard limit that we used to have, but something where it's basically the players that take over a lot of the industrial stuff, which which is the natural progression. But if you can do it in only one location, so one DQ and perimeter, that's a problem. That's not healthy. If if players should have that agency, it needs to spread out. Mm, okay, let's move on to something else you might want to talk about. CSM. CSM. Uh, I know we're going in circles because we brought it up like this is the third time we brought it up. Uh, Tiberius is new uh, to the conversation. Do you guys have any thoughts on CSM? Uh, CSM, I think... It seems to me that CSM had a much bigger impact on uh, development and, you know, game, what, you know, game mechanics this year than it has in the previous five uh, in a lot of respects. Um, But there's a lag effect, like a lot of the stuff that was presented to CSM ago finally gets rolled in now. So it might not have been this CSM that did a lot of the stuff, but. Right, Previous. but a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff has been advocated for a long time. Multiple clones in one bay, uh, you know, getting the um, uh, jump, jump routes bridges. planned through jump get through jump bridges, um, you know, and a, a whole handful of other stuff that people have been watching. The, the red dot for crying out loud, oh, um, I dot. was, I was kind of surprised that uh, it got taken care of as early as it did, um, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it did take a while, but I was I was still surprised that it got taken care of as early as it did. I mean, uh, rolling changes got uh, reverted to a certain extent. Uh, f- I'm pretty sure that it, that was due to Phantomite advocating for us on on that regard, um, since he essentially pseudo kind of uh, pledged himself to kind of represent J Space since we lost a representative this year. Um, so you know, it seems to me that you know. I'm I'm positive about it this year. Um, I think that uh, especially considering these massive uh, changes coming up that uh, I think that there still needs to obviously there's still a need for CSM in order to kind of uh, keep things in check because um, Kenneth, I mean, what Kenneth specifically said that he worked with uh, CCP for what, 60 odd hours at least 300 300 hours oh, wow no, no. which is no no it was yeah it was i think yeah it was a long since october many 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 hours yeah so i mean it, it, it's a tremendous amount of work um and ccp advertises that it's like 60 hours total is your is your uh minimum commitment so he has gone well well uh, far and above um the you know total commitment that he needed to do in order to you know, be a good representative. So obviously, to me, CSM is still important. Um, it's still meaningful uh, to a certain degree, I should say, um, and that it seems to me that CCP is paying attention again um, because, you know, there have been a, there have been years where you know they've been completely ignored or nilled out, and you know it. There was a price to pay for it, and people. You know, things happened. Blackout is a good example. Uh, the rolling changes uh, last year for, you know, getting rid of capital rolling in wormhole space, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we can go on and on and on about some of these things that have, uh, you know, well, come about. Any of you guys, any, uh, anyone here going to run? 
Uh, I've considered putting my name in the hat just because we don't have a uh, um, wormhole. Right? We don't have a wormhole representative, um, and Izuki isn't in wormhole space anymore. Um, I love the guy. He's got a. He's in a very vast wealth of knowledge, um, but I haven't heard about it or seen any other wormhole candidates yet so i'm definitely considering a bid hmm. interesting i think to add to what tiberius is saying i i really hope that ccp changes uh the way they utilize the csm because it feels to me like they're at risk of burning them out even more than they used to do in the past i don't think csm members should be used in a way that starts tiptoeing into armchair developer um i think that's a mistake um, I think it's because CCP are afraid of rolling out uh, meaningful focus group work, which is what is going to be required in the future, because all the things that they're trying to do now with m- making meaningful changes to EVE, uh, at least that's what I'm seeing, requires focus groups and not armchair developers. Right, and you need a you need essentially, in, in order to do focus groups, you need to have people who are interested in the product and whatever it is that you're trying to sell, or you need subject matter experts in whatever it is that they're trying to, uh, you know, change, iterate, or create. Um, And uh, I think that that's a pretty healthy balance in where the CSM should be is that, you know, they're essentially getting exactly what Caleb said is a free focus group for a larger. So it's not really free because they, you know, do, pay for a couple of uh, luxuries for them to go out and visit in uh, uh, Iceland and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, you still do get um, essentially um, good labor for, you know, uh, for relatively cheap compared in compared to, you know, if you were to do this, if you were to get professional focus, focus group help. Well, again, use yourself as an example, right? I, I would be perfectly fine as a player seeing someone like you being a CSM member and then chairman of a focus group. But if you're solo supposed to uh, be responsible for any changes and discussion about wormholes, I see that as a risk because not everyone that plays in wormholes or should want to play in wormholes may play the way you do. And you might not actually have that perspective. So you would end up helping CCP design something that ends up being a little bit biased. Uh, This is the risk about um, subject matter experts being the only uh, voice on on the CSM. And it's the same with what we've talked about many, many years about the null focus that null groups, because of their size, gets the most votes, right? So there's a lot of voices that are not being heard. And this is why I think CCP needs to start looking at focus groups again. I think they were successful with the with the structures focus group. I think uh, maybe the faction war thing was not that good, but they have had some good successes with this. It's just that they haven't figured out a meaningful procedure because I think they need to move in that direction if they want to do big changes and complicated rollouts that a game in its third decade is going to require. So I think they need to change. They, they desperately need to change how it works. All right. I think, I think the environment of CCP has changed as well with the purchase. And so I wouldn't discount that uh, the influence of that making maybe them more susceptible or open to meaningful changes to CSM and maybe even some of the impact they're having now as a result of that uh, more openness as a, as a company. So, um, yeah. 
Last thing, writing. Uh, Caleb, what do you think of writing and talking in stations? Do they go together? What, our publishing thing? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I am really looking forward to our publishing platform uh, getting uh, polished and ready. Uh, and I, I seem to see that we have a lot of uh, uh, people interesting, uh, both from uh, reading side and also especially from, from the writing side. And I think it's one of the things that I've been sad that it's been it's been suffering over the past, I'd say almost eight, maybe even ten years, right? What, what's uh, been suffering? The, well, writing in general. Uh, you, you still had the people that insisted on 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 writing Eve Media stuff, but it's just gone downhill c- compared to in in the old days when long format and we had a lot of competitors. Uh, EN twenty four was a little bit dead. Crossing zebras don't really exist anymore. Uh, a lot of bloggers are falling out. There's only like the stubborn uh, ones left, like noisy gamer, right? Um, so I, I think I think it will be nice to have uh, some new blood uh, coming in and and doing some writing, and uh, it will be nice to have a platform to put all our content in. Wow, Eve News Twenty Four is blown up. What happened? Particularly the super active, uh, usually more to use a scrubbing bot. It looks like going and grabbing just uh, items from the internet now. Yeah, they used to yeah, back in the day. There was the blog banter, which would challenge uh, bloggers and people who would write to take on a specific uh, topic. I, that would be fun to see come back. Um, Crossing zebras, uh, Jag and and Xander can. Kiss my ass, but other than that, wow! Shut <laughs> no, those guys were good. We had a lot of fun. They uh, they actually started their site. Um, they started their podcasting because of listening to um, to Jade and I do our podcast, and so they picked it up and they, uh, they actually did a really damn good job. They went above and beyond even what we were doing. They had a fantastic podcast. They expanded to writing. Those guys kind of knew what they were doing. Uh, so we were always kind of, you know, uh, lovingly hateful to each other, just kind of for shits and giggles. But um, yeah, it's too bad that they're not involved anymore. But I think their site's kind of just kind of hanging on there a little bit, which is unfortunate. But, I don't think any new stuff's on there, right? Crossing Zebras? I'd be shocked. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, that's too bad. Went the way of Eve Tribune. And there's a lot of history that gets lost when those sites go down. It's really sad. Um, yeah, that's why... Uh, we we hope to stick around uh, long enough. And now I think for a long time we were only a podcast and that's really all we wanted to do. It was an easy way to express ourselves as a pundit class without putting a ton of work into it. And uh, we were doing other things. So it just became an easier way to do that. But we decided that should be uh, something that was done in front of people. That's why you have this live show. It's punditry live. The result is a podcast. Uh, even these daily shows are podcasts now. And and that kind of fulfilled that feeling of wanting to talk about EVE Online with friends. But there is kind of a romance to the written word, right? Like, there's a nice... You can get... You can kind of clean it up and have uh, a poetic time with it. And, it, you know, I think it can be moving as well. I remember writing one article and I was in tears and I put it out there 
And then other people were in tears. And I was like, yeah, you related to it like I related to it. And that's that can't really be done, you know, live. That needed to be done with written work. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that can't really be done in in a live or streaming mode or even even uh, in a composed video format. Personally, I think when you're talking about things like complicated uh, explanations, like let's just take something like the industry changes. We can talk about those up and down hour after hour. It doesn't really convey the important information. You need the written word to do that. So you can actually go in there and show everything and and explain it step by step this is just not uh that useful when it comes to a video format or just talking and discussing things right so i I think the written word still is very valid for certain topics and then of course just take something like one of the things that i've been a fan of recently there's this writer that that has been writing on inn in in almost rp format where he's writing it as if it, uh, as if him and his dudes are in some sort of weird spaghetti western thing, like in your Morricone m- movies, and it's just you can't do stuff like that in in a stream, right? This is uh, this, this is just only something that works in in written format. So so fan fiction stuff, and yeah, there's tons of things that that demand the written uh, format. Yeah, Eve writing must get good at English fast. All right, so we'll move into that. I think soon. Are you uh, are you seeing INN Eve News Twenty Four Eve? Uh, sorry, New Eden Post. Uh, are you seeing them as colleagues or as uh, competitors? How's that work? Well, it's a bit like the rest of Eve, right? We're all competitors until we end up blue balling too much right <laughs> um but but blue balling is natural and collaboration and and sharing uh talent and stuff like that we we had this when when we started tis right when when we moved in we came from inn we had and shared a lot of uh, uh brain power right and we were friendly with uh even en24 with your contacts and with crossing zebras as well. So th- there's always this, uh, I think I've jokingly said, this this incestuous relationship when it comes to the EVE media. And this has always pretty much been a thing because we're too few voices uh, to actually start being massively aggressive when it comes to competition. And I think that's also true about in-game uh, EVE gameplay, right? Uh, people swap uniforms a lot. They blew uh, up each other and... Uh, go into peace mode, and then uh, at some point someone says something uh, bad about someone's girlfriend or uh, (laughs) is nasty to someone in chat, and then suddenly there's a war, right? Yeah, but it works better that way, honestly, right? It's it's much like the analogy I always had in my head was like the music business, right? So you're an artist and you find other new artists and it's in your best interest to collaborate with them and promote them and push them forward, maybe under your own recording label, maybe not. But it benefits you by benefiting them. And I think that's also true uh, in a pay it forward Eve way, right? I just told the story about uh, Jag and, and Xander and Crossing Zebras, how they start. Dominark also, same way. He came to me when I kind of started coming back. He's like, you know, I started podcasting because of you. So there's like two people, two groups there. Dominic does a fantastic job. Uh, Dominic does. Uh, he's over on Trash Talk Tuesday. He has his own show. He does his things. The, obviously, Crossing Zebras had great 
but there's an ebb and a flow to this. This is a game, so this isn't life. So you always need to kind of keep paying it forward and helping promote. If you believe in the writing, you believe in, in podcasting, you enjoy the game and you want to be a voice, then it's in your best interest to help promote other voices because um, at some point you're going to want to stop or take a break or heck, just go on vacation even. And you, you need other people to fill that spot moving forward. Um, so I, I think it's kind of inherent in, in our best interest to behave accordingly. Except for crossing zebras, they can kiss my ass. <laughs> and die in a fire. No, no one dying in a fire. Jake and Xander are fantastic. I got to follow up with that. But All right. yeah. Speaking of taking a break, we got to take a break. We'll be back tomorrow with more talking in stations. Uh, last shout outs for you guys. I feel like a waiter. I'm coming around with little. Would you like a little drink? I'm, I'm full. I couldn't even take, uh, not even a mint. Not even a mint. It's wafer thin? No? No, any wafer thin. No, it can't. All right. Well, I'm done serving tonight. So we will see you guys uh, at, at the uh, Talking in Stations Cantina Bar uh, tomorrow. Shank free zone. Shank free zone. <laughs> uh, so take care. That's all from Talking in Stations. We'll see you next time.